Welcome to An Eye for Business. Exploring the entrepreneurial mindset of people who are blind or vision impaired. Brought to you in partnership between Blind Citizens Australia and Vision Australia. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Eye for Business podcast series, brought to you as part of the Eye to the Future project, a project of Blind Citizens Australia. As you know by now, this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with the Entrepreneurial Mindset webinar series. And in the most recent webinar of the Entrepreneurial Mindset series, we heard from Leah Singh. Leah is a massage therapist and has been running her own business in Queensland. Leah, thanks for being a part of the program. Start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. I was born in the Philippines and I actually came to Australia in 1990, um, where I lived in Canberra to begin with. And I went to a mainstream school where teacher aides would come and visit, you know, once or twice a week to offer their support. Um, and then in 95, when I was about 10, turning 11, I moved up to Brisbane with my mum and dad and I went to Aspley State School and they had a special education unit there. Um, so I was supported through the special education unit. Um, however, when I came up in 95, later that year, I had surgeries to help correct my vision. Um, I have glaucoma and cataracts. And unfortunately, the surgeries were unsuccessful and I ended up going blind in one eye. So I had one totally blind eye and the other eye was very limited vision. And I couldn't read print and write anymore. So I had to learn Braille, which was very um, interesting. <laughs> I can imagine. Did you find that a difficult experience, as some people do, given that you were uh, 11 by the time you started learning Braille? I actually didn't find it difficult because I was half expecting that the surgery wouldn't be successful. So when I opened my eyes and I found out that I had gone blind, I wasn't really surprised. Um, and being 11 years old, I was very curious and and was really interested in what Braille was because, like I said before, I went to a mainstream school and I was the only vision impaired person at that school until I went to Aspley East. And so when I saw that there were other kids who were blind and vision impaired and I saw that there was Braille, like I didn't even know what Braille was and I was actually interested to learn it already, regardless if my sight had declined or not so mm. I guess it just didn't take me as long as what it would other kids who uh, start it later in life and you moved on uh, and went through high school of course and then you did some further study yeah I did so I did part of a business degree at QUT um, and I also did a certificate for in massage therapy and a diploma in remedial massage as well as certificates in myofascial cupping and baby massage. I started with the business degree because I wanted to open my own business. And, you know, when I was younger, I was, I actually wanted to be something in the health field, like a nurse or a doctor or a paramedic or something like that. But obviously with limited vision, it probably wouldn't be very practicable. So I decided to research what I could do within the health field. 
while I was doing the business degree and I came across massage. So I thought I would give the cert for a try to begin with and I really enjoyed it. So I continued on doing further studies in it. Mm. Let's talk about some of those uh, those massage techniques you mentioned, remedial massage. So remedial massage is basically the assessment and treatment of soft tissue dysfunction. Now, soft tissue basically means muscle. So you assess the client and you treat the client for muscle dysfunction. Um, what that basically means is, you know, sometimes when people come in for a massage, they might say, you know, my shoulder hurts. And after you do an assessment on them, you might actually find that, yeah, even though their shoulder is hurting, it's actually coming from a different spot in the body. And that's why you do the assessment so that you can treat the actual underlying cause of their issues. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just returning the body to as healthy a state as it can be and mm -hmm. reducing pain and things like that for the client. So myofascial cupping basically works on the fascia of the muscle and the fascia is basically the thing that encases the muscle. So if you can imagine a pillow and a pillowcase, so the pillow is the muscle, the pillowcase is the fascia. If the fascia is tight, then it obviously would scrunch up the pillow, which means the muscle doesn't have its full range of motion and functions that it normally would have. And it would probably be uh, you know, a bit tight and a bit sore and things like that. So the cupping basically releases the fascia to loosen it so that the muscle can also loosen and move around as as best as it can. Okay. And, and I'm guessing that baby massage is exactly what it sounds like, just doing all of that uh, on babies? Um, well, it sort of is, but it's a bit different because I'm actually an infant massage instructor. So... What that means is I don't actually massage the babies. I teach parents and their families like, you know, the fathers or grandparents or whoever wants to come along to the class, how to actually massage and bond with their babies. And, you know, common, common signs of when they may need specific types of massage, like if a baby has colic and things like that. Um, and it's particularly important, you know, for fathers, for example, where they might not know how to bond with their baby before toddlerhood, you know, because they can't really interact with it. Um, they can't really talk to them. Um, so they, they're looking for other ways to bond with their baby. And so we kind of teach how to do that through touch and massage. You did your business degree and uh, you did all of these studies. You deliberately wanted to open your own business, you said. Why is that as opposed to working for another organisation? Um, to be honest, I actually found it hard to get a job when I finished high school. Um, and even though I was studying at uni and doing TAFE and, you know, all these different things, I didn't have any experience or, well, not much experience. I had very limited experience. So I thought, you know, if no one's going to give me a chance, I'm going to open up my own business and give myself a chance. But on top of that, I also wanted to run my own life and my own hours and work around, you know, what is best for me. Because um, at the time I was a single parent, so it was really important that I was present for my child as well as 
you know, doing something in the in the work side. And you decided that uh, that business was going to be in massage. How did you get started and what sort of process did you go through in order to get started? Okay, so I started my business at home to begin with, with family and friends, just so I can get a feel for how the treatments would run and how the payments would run and, you know, doing health rebates and all of that stuff. Like I just wanted to kind of practice on them, I guess. <laughs> um, and then I actually had a, a an appointment with my GP and it was just a fluke that she asked me what I did and I told her that I do massage as an occupation and she said, you know, that they had a room available at their clinic and asked if I wanted to work there. So I took her up on that offer and I worked there for four years. Then I kind of wanted to not be in a, a clinical setting as such because there are a lot of like old sick people and, you know, I probably I probably wasn't getting as much business as I, as I could have. And also, you know, it wasn't really my target market, if that makes sense. So like it wasn't, I wasn't really interested in like, I know it sounds really bad, but like the older people they're lovely and everything but they're not really good regular clients as such because they get sick a lot Mm. (laughs) so you know they'd cancel their appointments and you know so it just wasn't very good so I you know got into health and fitness and I was more interested in in the sports massage side of things sports and remedial so I was actually on Facebook and I joined one of these groups and someone had put up a post saying that they had uh, that they were like a family-owned gym and they were looking for a massage therapist so I messaged them and um, organized to view the space and everything and I moved in there and I worked there for five years. Let's have a bit of a talk about your your clients. Firstly, when you were studying massage, did you find any negativity towards you uh, as a student who's vision impaired? Not when I was studying massage, um, they were all very supportive. So the school that I went to, like it didn't have an equity department, it didn't have an alternative format department or anything like that. They were like, I, I told them that I needed electronic format and, you know, maybe if the course coach was explaining something that's on a diagram or something like that to to explain it on me so that I could feel what he was doing. Um, So, like, we kind of worked around certain boundaries. I mean, sorry, barriers. So, yeah, they were really understanding and so I was able to complete that that successfully. Mm. And what about when you moved on and you opened your own business? Once you started working on, I guess you could call it members of the public, how was that perceived? So with regards to the doctor's clinic, I had all of the payments, bookings, everything organised for me. I had a sign that said that I was there. Um, Everything was all good. Everyone's like, oh, you must be really good because you're blind you know, um, because you can feel more and you rely on your touch. Oh, that's and interesting. so, yeah, so I actually really worked on that. So when I opened at the gym, 
the gym advertised for me, but I was responsible for everything, bookings, payments, advertising, all of that stuff. Mm. I mean, there was word of mouth at the gym, but I primarily did all the advertising. So I actually marketed in a way where I would say that I'm actually renowned in my field because I'm vision impaired and I have really good palpation skills. (laughs) So it was really good. Did you ever encounter any clients who were a bit uh, unsure or a bit negative about your ability? No, I didn't actually. Mm. Not one. Everybody just thought, oh, my God, she must be really good because she can't see. So, you know, like she'd be better than a sighted therapist because she relies on her touch and that's what massage primarily is. Yeah, it's an interesting point of view, isn't it? And it's mm. it's not something that had occurred to me. But, of course, in many countries, particularly in some of the Asian countries, uh, massage therapy is specifically or was at one time specifically earmarked for blind and vision impaired people. So, um, yeah. you know, very clearly it's something that, uh, that blind people can excel at. And to be honest, it's uh, surprising to me that more people don't do it. Let's talk about some of the issues that you had, um, particularly as you got started and sort of moved into developing your business. What were some of the biggest hurdles that you had to overcome? (laughs) Okay, so payment was one of them. I was thinking, how do I do a payment on an FPOS machine that I can't see? (laughs) Mm. So I just thought about it and I think I called Vision Australia or someone or Job Access or whoever it was and I said, I need a workplace assessment and they showed me a few different devices that I could use to um, enlarge my FPOS machine. And so I put the FPOS machine under a CCTV so that I could actually see the amount and the item code and the date and whatever else I needed to see to process that transaction. And, you know, it was very important actually that I saw the gap payment. So the gap payment is obviously um, what a customer pays after a health rebate. And I was able to successfully process transactions with that. Now, further to that, my vision kind of got worse. Oh. (laughs) Um, So I was, I could still do it, but I was still struggling with it. Like for example, a zero and an eight were very similar so because a zero had like a little strike through in it that was diagonal Mm -hmm. and sometimes I couldn't tell if it was an eight or a zero Um, you know little things like that so I thought I need to develop something else like another solution so I actually engaged one of my tech friends and he developed it's kind of like a, a small website or app or whatever. I, I don't think it's an app. It's like a web-based thing where it integrated with my um, health point machine. So I could use voiceover on my iPhone, type in, um, oh, sorry, select like if they, if they want to use their card or if they have to swipe their health card. And then I'll type in the relevant things like the price, the item code, all of the things that I need to put in and process it. And then it'll say, please swipe card like on my phone Mm. and they'll do it onto the terminal. They'll swipe it on the terminal and then it'll say gap amount, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then I'll say, okay, so that's, you know, $50 for example. And 
um, then I press like another button on my phone and it'll it'll get them to to swipe their card or you know tap their yep. card and it'll process the, the transaction so I did it that way so it's kind of like an interface to the FPOS terminal then yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it kind of integrates with it and it mm. speaks to my phone so that I know everything that's on the terminal. That's great. Yeah. Do you know whether that was marketed for other people? Because that's one of it the wasn't. issues that comes up um, <laughs> a number of times for people is how they can access FPOS terminals. And there are a number of ways of doing it now, but um, that's certainly a, a really good and creative way of doing it. It wasn't marketed. It was just a private thing because, like I said, it was just a friend who did it mm. for me. Um, I, I do know, though, now there's certain booking systems and things that you can you can link up to your, your Highcaps machine or FPOS machine. Um, this is if you do massage or some other health, allied health uh, business. Um, you know, there's, there's certain booking systems where you can actually get them to pay on that booking system, if that makes sense, mm. and you can, and it'll still integrate with Highcap, so you can still do the gap payments and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. what were some of the other issues that you found? Um, marketing was very difficult, especially with social media, because I couldn't, I couldn't see images, and have, social media is heavily reliant on images, right? Because I don't know. I guess sighted people like to see pretty images with whatever caption you put up. So how I got around that was I researched a lot on, you know, images specifically made for massage. And I came across Healthonomics, which is like you, you buy a bundle of images and it'll have, you know, inspirational quotes, it'll have massage quotes, it'll have you know, um, Pilates, like whatever, whatever you want to buy, it'll give you, I think, 12 images or, or more. I can't remember now. I think it's 12 images. And so I bought those pre pre done images and then I'd email it to my friend again, like a different friend. And she wrote, okay, image one says this image two says this so that, when I do go to post the image on social media, I can actually write relevant content that's related to that image. So I think it's just really important to have good support. You know, like I didn't really have many professional people that I paid for. However, I did pay for someone to do my website, but a lot of it was family and friends helping out and, and all of that. Mm. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And I guess in many respects, you were quite lucky because you were able to work out of one place at a time. But was uh, was travel and actually physically getting to your clients ever a problem for you? I used to walk to the doctor's clinic because it was walking distance. So that wasn't a problem. And I'd know all my bookings in advance. When I moved into the gym, it was in a separate, like in, in the next suburb. So I used to catch a taxi. And how I'd work my booking system is that I'd close it off I think 12 hours before so that no one else could book in once it's, you know, 12 hours, uh, less than 12 hours before an appointment so that I, I at least knew by the end of the day what clients I had for the next day. Mm. So then I could manage, you know, when to catch a taxi and things to work. 
So how did you manage your booking system? What happened, for example, if somebody cancelled? If somebody cancelled and it was a legitimate reason, like they were sick that day or, you know, something that's that's reasonable, um, I would let it go. That's fine. But if, if they just didn't show up or they cancelled all the time and it was a recurring thing, um, I actually charged a cancellation fee and a no-show fee. Mm. And it says it when you book with me. So it'll say, please avoid cancelling within 48 hours of your appointment. Um, you know, um, certain, certain situations will be considered as reasonably practicable by um, Envision Massage. That was that's my business name. You know what I mean. So it'll it'll explain all of that so that they know. Okay, like I have to try and give her notice. Mm. So so how does the booking process actually work? If I wanted to book an appointment with you, how do I go about that? So you could go on Facebook, Instagram, my website, and it says book now, and then you just choose your your type of massage, whichever one you want, and how many minutes or hours. So I think my maximum is two hours. And then you choose the date, the time, and hit submit, basically. And it'll send you an email confirmation. It'll send me a confirmation saying that you've booked. And in that confirmation email that the client receives, it has a health history form that you have to fill out before you come to the appointment and I get them to do it before they come in so that I can actually read it on my laptop or on my phone with JAWS and voiceover. And I already know what they're coming in for before they actually step foot in my clinic. And you get reminders as well, like, you know, I think 24 hours before it'll say, please remember you have an appointment with Envision Massage on this date at this time at this location. So was that a booking system that was specifically developed for you or was it a readily available one off the shelf? It's a readily available one off the shelf. It's called Fresher with an A, F-R-E-S-H-A. It was the only one that I found that was accessible with screen readers Mm. because I actually tried multiple booking systems and it was very painful (laughs) Um, and I couldn't find any that was actually, you know, like like fully accessible because you know some of them might be accessible to some extent but then you can't access the calendar or you might be able to access the calendar but then you can't put in a time Mm. you know it was really poorly done i guess with with some of the booking systems accessibility wise what are some of the things that you thought might have been a problem but didn't turn out to be when you uh, when you were starting particularly i thought the payment issue would be a problem that was a big problem that I was I was really anxious about until I found a couple of solutions. Um, I thought the social media thing would be a problem because I'm like, how am I going to – no one's going to read my posts if I've got no, no images and things. Uh, and a, another thing I did um, to get around that is I did a lot of videos and I did a lot of lives. So if you can't access images or if – if you don't have anyone to support you to access those images, I would suggest doing a lot of lives because they actually notify your followers that you're online doing a live. Mm. Um, and, you know, it brings up your 
your stats on on social media, your algorithm um, quite high. And so I did a lot of lives and and videos if I couldn't do the images. Okay. Yeah. Was there anything you would have done differently um, if you were starting again? To be honest, I don't think so because even if some of it was a struggle, like in terms of, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to do things and, and, you know, like with the payment and the social media and whatever, like I think that I needed to go through that so that I'd be able to develop innovative ways of working around things. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like I, I think I even even if I struggled here and there with certain things, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it again because uh, I learned a lot. Mm. You know, even with the booking system, like you know, trawling the the net for hours on end, days on end, weeks on end, like just trying to find something that was accessible. I, well, maybe maybe I'd do that again, <laughs> like in terms of, you know, I wasted a lot of time, but it wasn't really a waste of time because I ended up finding something that was suitable, you know, but if I didn't do that, I, maybe I wouldn't have come across fresher. Do mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I think it, you know, with every experience, you got to turn the negative into a positive. That's what I think and, and learn from it. You've talked about the need for support and you had friends and family supporting you. Did you mm. or have you had the chance to speak with other people who are blind or vision impaired about their own business experience? I don't really know anyone who has their own business except for a couple of guys who actually developed Envy Access. Mm. <laughs> um, and they, they're doing really well. So... Yeah, I don't really have anybody that I know of who's blind or vision impaired that has opened their own business, to be honest. And I but guess that's the important part of this uh, this podcast series is to give people uh, the idea or give people the thought of how they might go about things and, uh, you know, be able to hear from people who've, who've been there and done that. What yeah. would you advise people who are thinking about starting up their own business? Do a lot of research. Um, you know, join as many groups in your field that you can on social media. So on Facebook, I'm, you know, I've, I'm in so many massage groups and like massage business groups and they're not specific to blind people, but, you know, you ask questions on there, people help you out. There's, you know, other people asking questions that you might get ideas off, um, so that's that's the first thing. Just do a lot of research. Make sure you know what your target market is, um, which what type of clients you want um, is very important because you don't really want to get just whoever. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, um, you know, think about what's going to set you apart. And I, I would say just just make sure that you're committed. Make sure that you're a hundred percent. 110% committed because when I did my businesses, oh, well, my business in, in different locations and things, I was working almost 24-7 because when I wasn't massaging, I was doing marketing. When I wasn't marketing, I was doing all the invoicing. When I wasn't doing that, I was doing something else, you know. So it, it just takes up a lot of time and just make sure that you've, you're 110% committed and that you've got the time to do what you need to do to make it successful. I understand that you closed your business earlier this year. Can you tell us why? 
Okay, so I had a baby in 2019. I went on maternity leave for a little bit. And during my maternity leave, COVID happened. And the gym, oh, sorry, I also moved home. And now I live about half an hour away from the gym. So it's probably not not feasible to catch a cab every day, half an hour away. Um, and it'd take longer on the train. So the, the amount of time that it'd take me to catch a train there and catch a train back is actually more time than I'm, I'm spending with say, if I had one client a day, mm. just for example. So I just, I just thought I'll move. Firstly, I didn't, I didn't close it. I decided to move my business to home and then COVID got worse and you know, having a newborn baby and my mum was here helping me look after the baby and she's, you know, over 65. She's actually, she's over 70. Um, you know, she was at high risk and so was the baby and things like that. So I decided not to do it anymore because I didn't want to bring clients to my home who could potentially infect us, mm. even without, know without knowing, you know what I mean? Like, obviously they wouldn't do it on purpose, but... I just decided to look for something else that is a bit safer for my family and myself. So assuming that things settle down, would you consider reopening your business? I may do so in the future, actually, and I might just focus on baby massage <laughs> because I've done the other things. I feel like I've done the other things. And if I, if I did do it in the future, I probably would focus on the the massage instruction mm. and that's something you could do online isn't it i probably could but i probably wouldn't want to right um i just there's there's just something different about going to class face to face and the barrier that i would have online is making sure that the parents hands are in the correct position Okay. And things like that. So I'd want to make sure that the parents and, and the families are doing the correct techniques and things like that that I'm teaching. So I would want to do it face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Um, however, I could do certain aspects of it online, definitely. Well, Leah, thanks for being a part of this program. And it's been great to hear about your business. And uh, I certainly wish you luck for the future. And hopefully you can open it again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's Leah Singh from Queensland. If you'd like to know more about the Entrepreneurial Mindset webinar series, you can contact Blind Citizens Australia on 1-800-033-660. 1-800-033-660. If you'd like to find out more about the An Eye for Business podcast series, it's available through the New Horizons podcast feed. And many of the episodes will be broadcast on Vision Australia radio stations and other RPH stations across the country. This series is brought to you in partnership between Blind Citizens Australia and Vision Australia, and we thank all of the participants for their time and efforts in putting this program together. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for your company. I'll talk to you again next week. You have been listening to An Eye for Business, exploring the entrepreneurial mindset of people who are blind or vision impaired. This is a series of programs brought to you in partnership between Blind Citizens Australia and Vision Australia. Join us again next week.